Well, we want to welcome you to Rise Church. My name is Jason. I'm the executive pastor here at Rise. And one of the things our pastor, our senior pastor, Aaron, uh, loves to say is that uh, we would love for you, if you're a guest, we're, we want to welcome you. But we also encourage you to check, check us out three times. Uh, we might be uh, the not on the week that you uh, come for the first time. And obviously, he's not on this week. But next week, we're going to, as uh, Alinda said, we are going to have a great uh, start of a new series, a start of a new service. We have so many things going on next week, and so uh, we want to uh, welcome you, and, and hopefully you are able to join us again for the three times. And we're in, the, in a series called Salt and Light, and Pastor Aaron started it uh, last week and jumped into that, and uh, he just wanted me to thank you for allowing him to be gone today. He's actually uh, preaching that message in California for Pastor Todd. Pastor Todd has been here and preached several times, and Pastor Todd heard that message, and he's like, that's the message you need to share with our church. Uh, it was such a great message, so I encourage you, if you missed it, go back and check it out, um, because a lot of what I'm doing today is building upon that, and so you might have some missing pieces if you just hear this message, so I encourage you to go back and check that out. And uh, he was sharing from Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, and Pastor Aaron shared uh, 13 primarily is what he taught on last week, and I'm going to continue on. In verse 13, he says this, you are the salt of the earth, and he was explaining to us what it means to be salty compared to what we would say salty is today versus what the Bible talked about being salty. He said, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And so he talked about how salt flavors, how salt preserves, uh, salt melts, salt softens. And so I encourage you to go back and check that out. And we continue on in verse 14 here today. I'm going to continue to teach on the second part, which just says this, you are the light of the world. We're going to unpack today. What does it mean to be the light of the world? He said, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. And if you understand anything about that is in those days, they would love to build towns on elevated positions where they uh, would be harder to attack. And you could see it from everywhere. And as they built this place of encampment, he says, it cannot be hidden. He goes, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And if it gives light to everyone in the house, in the same way, he says this, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus is explaining how to be salt and light. And remember, this is in the middle of a really long sermon, the Sermon on the Mountain. It's a collection of sermons that he's preaching to here. And as he's sharing this, this reminds me of when I was a kid, growing up in Sunday school, we had a little song. And I'm sure you've heard this song, and it goes like this, this little light of mine. I'm not going to sing because y'all don't want to hear that. I'm going to let it shine right? And we did the, we held it like a little candle, like we were holding a candle, which in their day would not have been a candle. Candles weren't invented. Like, and, and, and that wasn't the common way to have light. It would actually have been a lamp. And, but, you know, some translations may say candle, but it's actually, it was a lamp. And so we'd sing that song. And then there was this, this line in the song that goes like this. When we had it for the kids, it was like, hide it under a bushel. Because that's like the King James language. Hide it under a bushel. And when you sang that part when we were kids, you had to yell as loud as you could, no. 
It was like, hide it under a bushel. No! Like you had to scream. Because if you didn't scream no, that means you were going to hide it under a bushel. Now, we didn't even know what a bush, bushel was. Like, I thought it was like a, you know, a short bush. You know, like, like why, how were you hiding it under a bushel? It might caught on fire. Is that like L bush? Like, what, what is it confused? I, 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 like, but it actually means a bowl or like a bucket like this. It's like, no. And you had to scream, no. Then they added this one line to it. It was like, don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it show. And like at that part, you had to do like this. Don't let Satan. I mean, you had to blow. Like today, we couldn't do that because coronavirus, you know. But like if you didn't blow hard, like, like you didn't really get that. Like Satan's going to blow it out. And you must want Satan to blow it out. If you didn't blow hard enough. But that was just... Us as a kid, we, 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 sang these, we sang these words of Jesus. We're reflecting about upon these words of Jesus. And as we look at what Jesus is doing here, sometimes we can miss it because we don't live in that culture. And so when Jesus was saying to them, you are the light of the world, he was speaking to the crowds who were there. The religious leaders of the day would have looked at that and been like, how scandalous. Like We don't get the context of that because in their context... Spurgeon writes this, this is so good. He says, this title, Light of the World, had been given by the Jews to certain of their eminent rabbis. In other words, the most popular, eloquent teachers of their day. That is who got the title, Light of the World, the Lamp of the World, the Lamps of the Universe, the Lights of the World. That's who they gave it to. And, 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 and we can think of that context, it's still true today. It's like, what do we say when someone is, man, that's a bright person. Wow, they're super bright, or they're not so bright. So they were saying, like, those are bright. They're, they're eloquent. They are intelligent. They can expound upon God's truths. And so it must have sounded strangely in the ears of the scribes and Pharisees to hear that same title in all soberness, in other words, no joking, applied to a few peasants and fishermen who became the disciples of Jesus. And the context, uh, a further context of this is, is, as I said, it's like, this wasn't a candle that you put in your house. This was the lamps. And if you understand the history of the lamps in Scripture, we go back to Leviticus. You know, when you're reading the Bible plan, you skip over Leviticus because it's just a bunch of like measurements and names. You just skip over. You can miss something great that they talked about the lampstand in the temple where the glory of God, the presence of God was. And this lamp was placed upon a stand, and it was fueled by oil, and they let it burn forever in perpetuity. Because what it was basically saying this, it's symbolic of this is God's presence with us, and it never goes out. It never burns out. And any time in Scripture you see this lamp, it is representative of God's very presence, or what we would call the glory of God, his manifest presence. In other words, he's showing up in a physical way. So it's symbolic of that. You fast forward to the book of Revelation. It says there's seven lamps, and those seven lamps were the churches, because as the church, we are supposed to be shining forth God's glory and his presence on the earth. So you see this context that, that Jesus was saying this. It's even more scandalous when you understand that. Not only is he saying it's like, it's not just an eminent rabbi, teacher, who is the light of the world. It's not just the lamp that's in the temple that is the light of the world and the glory of God. He's saying, you 
are the very light of this world. And if we don't understand the context, we could just read over that, but it's like, oh, he's just talking about being light, yeah. No, he's saying you are a light bringer. You should be bringing light to the world. Just imagine how this was changing this. And so if we are called to be light bringers, and we are, according to the words of Jesus, what does it mean to bring light? I'm going to share with you three things that light does. There's many other things that light does, but with the purposes of light, I want to share you uh, three of those purposes today and how we can be the light. The first thing that the light does is it illuminates the path. It illuminates the path. Light illuminates the path. It brings direction for us. And uh, to illustrate that, uh, here I got my, my bucket slash bushel. Um, and in my bucket here, I have my headlamp. And uh, if you've heard me preach before, you know me, like I'm a runner. I get up early in the morning as I can, and I run. And so one day this week, I got up at 3.30, and I ran, not because I wanted to, just because I was awake, and I was like, I might as well go run. Friday morning, I did that. I got out there, and I have to use this headlamp. Because what this headlamp does, and I can actually tilt it to where it goes down, to where it shoots the light on the path that I'm going to run on. Because if I'm not careful... I might step on something, step in something, trip over something. And I want people to see me because, you know, usually at that time of day, there's not many people out, but I almost got hit by a car because they did not see me. And I had the right of way and I had to dive off. And it is something I use. It illuminates the path. And I remember when I was first a kids pastor. That's how I got started in ministry. They said, hey, we need someone to teach the kids and oversee this. And I said, well, here my Lord, send me. Uh, and a couple years into it, we had taken kids to camp and we went to this one little camp with some uh, you know, kind of churches we were affiliated with and a part of a, you know, sort of a denomination. We all kind of, the, the, the pastors had all gone to the same Bible college. And so they had this one and it was in a little small town in southern rural Missouri. And I'm there, and I'm like in my early 20s leading these kids. I don't know who was like, hey, here's a good idea. Let's have this 20-something-year-old just take our kids a few hours away and watch them. But, you know, we're like late at night, and it's like in the middle of nowhere. So there's like no like city light glow. I don't know if you've ever been out in the country where it's like there's no light if there's no stars. And there were no stars that night. The moon wasn't out. It was partly cloudy. So it was just pitch black. And the camp just had no lights at night, but I decided what I was going to do is get some of the counselors who were teenagers, and we were there at kids camp, you know, like elementary kids, and the kids were already asleep, which is kind of like a rare thing, and I was like, well, let's get up, and let's go knock on the other dorm's windows. So like, we're like sneaking, like I wore like all black and everything, just like sneaking out there so no one will see me. And uh, there was like a, a older gentleman who like was the dean of the camp, who like was the owner, whatever, of the camp. And we were trying to sneak around him so he wouldn't see us. So we go and we knock on one dorm and the kids are all freaking out. Someone's knocking on the... And we run away and we do another one. And then the guy comes out on his golf cart and we're like trying to run away so he doesn't see us. And so I'm running off full tilt, you know, like just as fast as I can run. And they just... Dark, dark, can't see the path, leading all these teenagers behind me. 
just running all out, sprint. I'm going to get back to our dorm. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes a cable clothesline. And you want to talk about getting clotheslined? I'm glad that there was no cell phones and video at that point. Like, I just got straight up cable clotheslined right in the face. And like, I'm sure, like, I can't wait to go to heaven and get to watch that video. Like, I mean, I fell. My face was bleeding in like a little line shape because I was just all on. Because I couldn't see, I was doing things I shouldn't be leading that way. I wasn't the best example. And when we are leading well as believers in Jesus, we should illuminate the path for others. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians. He says, follow my example. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, as I follow the example of Christ. I was not doing that. Those kids were following me. They should have been asleep. And as parents... One of the things I always tell parents, they'll say, man, I want my kid to be this when they grow up. I want my kid to do this. I want my kid to value that. One of the things I always encourage parents to do is make everything a list. Make a list of everything you want your kid to be and then start being it. You got to model it for them. You want your kids to grow up and have a great marriage? You probably should have a great marriage. You want your kids to have integrity? You better have some integrity. You want your kids to value church? Value church. You want your kids to bring someone to church with them? Get you a bring bite and invite somebody to church with you. Bring somebody. Bring somebody. Maybe, maybe that, that's just too much for you. Maybe in a workplace, you may lead some people and you want some people to be on time. Be on time. You want some people to have integrity. Have some integrity. Maybe in the classroom. Wherever it is in your life, in your neighborhood, you want your neighbors to be good neighbors? Be good neighbors. We have to model everywhere we're at, to be the light that illuminates the path and brings direction. Number two, light brings comfort. And I brought a nightlight. Light brings comfort. Reminds me of this nightlight that we use this nightlight to put into the hallway to bring comfort to the kids when they wake up in the middle of the night and they have to go to the restroom, when they need a drink of water so that they do not stumble. But the nightlight also just brings safety because it cuts through the darkness because the darkness to a kid is the unknown. They don't know what dwells in the dark. And I was reading about if you go into, uh, they, they were talking about they, they have these rooms, and I don't know why they have these rooms, but it's painted a certain color of black that like absorbs no light, and they, they cut off all the sound. There's, it's totally soundproof and totally lightproof. It's totally dark, totally quiet. And if you're in there, you can't make it 30 minutes without starting to have hallucinations. Because it's like, you don't know. Your brain starts to, ah, it's dark. It's so quiet. I can't hear anything. Sometimes we think we want total quiet. We want total darkness, but we cannot have that. Because we're made to live in the comfort of the light. In Matthew, verse 16, he said it this way. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So in other words, he's saying, if you are a living embodiment of the glory of God, the presence of God, they will then in turn glorify God back. 
And Peter wrote it this way. He said, live, in 1 Peter 2.12, live such good lives among the pagans. What does pagan mean? It means those who are not followers of God. You say, do we have pagans today? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's the glory of God comes as we're good to others. And so what he's saying here is, is we do good to others, and when we do good to others, when we are a comfort to others, it brings God's presence, his glory to the earth. And this is a, you know, you'll see that I'm wearing our I love or love our, love our city shirt today. And we have our love our city booth out there. And we're going to be doing our serve day. And people say, why do we do that? What is the purpose behind that? And it reminds me about this, this pastor. And his name is uh, Pastor Tommy Barnett. And he's semi-retired now. And he's an older gentleman. And years ago, he uh, went to Phoenix to be a part of a church and that is uh, called Phoenix First. And they actually, it's Dream City Church now. But he went there. And his whole way of building church was this. He said this, we're going to find a need and fill it. We're going to find a hurt and heal it. That is our purpose of going into our city. That is our purpose of having serve day where we are going to mobilize as many people. People say, what is serve day? We're going to mobilize as many people in our church as we can to go into our city and just be a blessing in practical ways. So after service, you can go check out the booth or you can go on our website and check out Serve Day because what it's about is it's about us. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a part of our church, we would call, we would call this outreach, right? We did outreach at our church. Now, outreach really meant at our church was we would go knocking on doors and we'd give you some information about our church. We weren't really serving you. We were just trying to get you to come to our church, which there's nothing wrong with that. But that was the extent of how we served our community. That's what we thought. We're like, we're serving our community. We're not. So what we do is we give with expecting nothing in return, blessing our community. Uh, what we're doing is we're mobilizing you as the church. To, to, and we find different organizations that we can partner with so we can make an impact together. We mobilize we partner, we impact. And the idea is, is we don't have to create the program. That was the other thing is when we would do something to serve our community, like we had to do it. Like we can't give to their food bank. We got to have our own food bank, which can you imagine the, the resources wasted when we all felt like we had to have our name on what we did? instead of partnering with someone else who's already doing it. And so that's what we do. We find organizations we can partner with. Okay, we're called to feed the hungry. Let's find out who's feeding the hungry. We're, we're going to help the helpless, the homeless. Hey, we're going to find someone who's doing it. We don't have to start it up if someone's already doing it. And we can find what we do agree with them on and be a blessing to them. We can find needs. We're blessing our first responders. We're blessing our veterans. And we're blessing different groups around the world and around our city. Because that is what we're called to do. And so I encourage you to get signed up. Go to our website, ryanschurchtx.com. You can see the projects that we have left. Uh, I just want to commend the church. After last weekend, we had 116 people sign up within that first 48 hours. Good job. So keep it up. Keep it up. So light illuminates the path. Light brings comfort. Light brings direction. It brings comfort. The third thing that it does is light heals and recharges. It heals and recharges. And uh, for this, I got a bottle of vitamin D. 
because I couldn't really bring, you know, like a light therapy lamp. And there's something today called light therapy. And what light therapy does is it brings, uh, it, can, it can be used to be treated several different things. One of the things that could be used is, is there's something called seasonal affective disorder. Now, when I lived in Minnesota, I feel like I had seasonal affective disorder. Because if y'all don't know about Minnesota, uh, that here's one of the things when I moved there that they like to say. It's like when you came from like the South and you moved there, they're like, at least we have four seasons. <laughs> we have four seasons. And like they always talked about they had four seasons, which what I figured out is that is what they told themselves to justify why they live at the North Pole. <laughs> and their three seasons were like this. This is what I figured out. One week or one uh, month of spring, one week of summer, one uh, month of fall, and nine months of winter. I kid you not. It's like when the one year we were there, it snowed in October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. There was still snow on the ground in June. So it's like you start to be like, I miss the sun. Where's the sun? I need the sun. And so you have to get therapy for that. And they said that, that they'll use light therapy for, for treating depression. They'll use it for, for jet lag. If you're jet lag and you travel a lot, you can get light therapy. You can, if you have certain sleep disorders, you see what all these things are? Is there when you're out of rhythm of how you're supposed to be in life, you need treatment from the light. You need healing and recharging from the light. And when you're low on vitamin D, you need to get it from one of two sources. You need to get it either from the sun, which again, you have to limit. You know, I get the whole idea of, of skin cancer. I understand that. You have to either get it from the sun or from something that gets it from the sun by eating something that gets it from the sun. And there are certain foods that you can get and eat. to get. But, but what it is, is, is our bodies are designed to get charge from the light, to be healed from the light. And so we as believers, what Jesus is telling us is we need to be light bringers who bring healing and recharging to our world. You've heard it said this way, that hurt people hurt people. How many ever heard that saying before? That hurt people hurt people. And that's really just an excuse to say, we get it why people hurt people because they're hurt. And they perpetuate that cycle of hurt in their life. But what Jesus is saying here is healed people should be healing people. Amen. That as we are healed by the light that has been shed upon our life, we should be reflectors of that light and be a healing force in our world. Yes. About Jesus the Luke wrote this in Acts 10, 38. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It's one of the first scriptures I memorized as a kid. We had it in Sunday school. You had to say this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And what Luke ties together is that Jesus is doing good and his healing were tied together. That is, we are doing good. We are being a force for healing. We don't do good because we want God to be, look on us and 
make us right. We do good because God has already been good to us. We don't do good to try to make God be good to us. He's already been good to us, so therefore we can do good. We can be healing. And so we have to ask ourselves in every day of our lives, the things that we're doing, are they bringing healing or are they bringing harm? And I make that distinguishing that just because it hurts someone doesn't mean it's not healing. Let me explain that. Is if I break a bone, they're going to have to reset that bone. And it's going to be painful, but it's going to help for my healing. There's so many medical treatments that we receive that might be painful, but they're for our healing. Are we being healing or are we being harmful? Number two, the second thing is that question to ask ourselves is, will this bring unity or will this bring division? Ephesians says this, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Is this going to bring people together, or are we just going to say that just to divide people? I know that's my temptation sometimes. My daughter was telling me about a fight at school and how every, it's still the same as when I was in school. It's like, everybody loves a fight. Like, oh yeah, and everyone's cheering around, and you're cheering them on, and like, even if you don't want to get punched in the face, like you still want to see someone else. And so I told her, I said, hey, we don't cheer that on. We, we're, we are unity people, not division people. The third thing to ask yourself is, will this bring true peace or will it bring strife? True peace is what the Bible calls peacemaking. But often in our lives, we, what we want is peacekeeping. There's a difference between peacekeeping, which is like, I'm going to do everything I can to just make sure that, that I don't upset anyone. But true peacemaking is sometimes it takes a fight to get to true peace. Sometimes it takes work to make peace with others in our lives. So as I'm wrapping up here, I want to remind you that light, we should be illuminating the path giving direction. We should be bringing comfort like a nightlight. And thirdly, we should be healing and recharging our world as light bringers. Be a light bringer this week. And that might mean serving up, signing up for serve day. That might mean grabbing some bring bites to bring someone with you. I'm encouraging you this week to be a light bringer.